Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. My name is Alora Chestikoff, and I am from Firebird Summit. My partner in this podcast is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Every week we meet and discuss coaching topics relative to professional development, personal development, business, and entrepreneurship. Join us and see if there's anything else you'd like to add to the conversation. All righty. Hello, hello. This is Alora from Firebird Summit. Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. Hello, my friend. Hey, hey, hey. It's great to be with you, Alora. Hello, friends. This is Lawrence from Boss. So, well, we are deep into weird unraveling in Corona and economic territory here. It's early, it's early May now for those who don't listen to it in real time. And um, <laughs> we are, we're facing all kinds of things. Big chunks of the country are starting to attempt to reopen. There's conflicting scientific advice about how advisable a rapid opening up is. Yeah. Uh, we have r- great depression level uh, levels of unemployment registered. More than 36 million people, uh, as of last week's count, have filed for unemployment, um, which represents about 15% of the population, which is more than we have ever seen since yeah. the 1930s, which is epic. Um, we there's There was news today that the European economy is starting to hit similar skids, even though there has been a lot of effort by the uh, governments, particularly in Western Europe, to prop mm-hmm. things up. Um, and we're seeing that some of the spots in Asia where they have started to open up are seeing resurgences of the virus. So we are seeing all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy stuff everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's, um, it makes you wonder what the future holds. Right. And I think more than ever coaches, uh, leadership trainers, um, leaders in organizations, uh, there's an opportunity, right. For, for us to be the voices, not of reason, but the voices of stability and rallying cries and rallying points in that, um, I believe there's, there's no place now for pointing fingers around what do we do, but it's okay. We're going to move forward. What does it look like for us? Right. And I think the identity uh, freedom in that is amazing. Um, And I'll, you know, speak for me when, when you get to thinking about things that motivate you Mm -hmm. and why they motivate you, it gets real clear and real granted. Like once you like, it's the small stuff that's huge for me now. And, um, and somebody's and as a business owner, right. Brand new this year, 2020 kicked it off and this happens. Right. And <laughs> welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> exa- exactly. Right. You went through your stuff, like, but it, but it's now it's like, okay, but we still have to move forward. And I think the, the best part about it is, is the creation of community and what that looks like for us. And, and I love the, uh, the curveballs of relationships that those who you thought were going to be the ones that reached out, um, they did to an extent, but the new characters and the new players and in, in your, your next normal um, have shown themselves to be powerful and strong. And, um, and I would say just quick appreciation for you and just what you've meant to, to me in this season and just your, your ability to, to use this platform, um, it's been healing and it's been the air for me to just connect in this way. 
Well, thank you, pal. I appreciate it. This is totally one of like the main reliable highlights of any given week that I'm having in the, in the past couple months. I don't like, I, I look forward to this all week just cause yeah. it, you know, it's exactly, exactly that. First of all, it's a stabilizing <laughs> in a lot of destabilizing circumstances, but no, I mean, it's, you know, I think we keep coming back to a lot of, you know, meaningful topics For sure. that are front of mind, but you know, in a world where we're kind of all stuck at home for the most mm -hmm. part, it's sometimes really hard to hash through that. And, you know, yeah. as, and, you know, to some extent, since we're both extroverts, I think it's, it's probably a common challenge we have is a lot of times we work through what we're thinking mm -hmm. by talking it out and by hearing what other people have to say and processing that. Right. I mean, one of the normal kind of standard differences between introverts and extroverts is that extroverts do tend to think out loud mm -hmm. more, right? We do tend to look for the words and, and go back and forth a little bit more. Introverts tend to like to kind of go off process what they think and then come back and talk. And, and, and it's a, Sometimes it's a it's an awkward you know working compatibility challenge when you've got two people who take this differently. But part of what I enjoy about you know these conversations with you is that both of us can you know there are so many times when after we're done, I, you know two days later I think ah oh, penny just dropped ah oh, I didn't think about that you know and so but again it's it's having somebody to kind of work through some of these conversations with yeah. otherwise you know it's just me talking to my four walls and you know a puppy exactly. who just wants to chew on my shoes yeah well it, it's funny the the spectrum of the introverts and extroverts understand that we're all on the spectrum and it's just uh which version of the latter shows up and i think more so than anything my inner uh introvert um has come out more uh mm -hmm. and contemplated being very contemplative being very processing in in my approach and calculated and more analytical um because again i've, I've i'm doing business development so what does that look like in talking through those ideas out loud um yeah they work um and they have their place but then there are those times where i pull away and i get in my notes and i get in my journal and i get in those things of just writing things down and getting very quiet and still um and i and i love the conversation around personality styles because um as organizations now uh you need to make sure that you're having intentional recruiting and hiring efforts and then having intentional onboarding practices to make sure that the way that someone took the test is really what you hired and brought onto the team. Because oftentimes me and you, we know how to take assessments. You take assessments based on how you are currently, not what you wish to be. And I think a lot of times people take them in what they wish to be and how they wish to be perceived and not how they are today. And what that does for organizations. And again, there's slight nuances in your scores but it can throw things off because if you show up as you but your assessment and your new leader is trying to do their homework on you I'm like all right Laura, she really likes to talk things out she and then you get there and you go your first meeting you're quiet and you're sitting here and you're contemplative and you're like okay this is not the lady we interviewed right like what's going on right and so i think in the, in this uh next normal being very true to who we are more often um, and not believing you have to be multiple things to multiple people all the time. Um, I th because that gets, it's tiring. Um, and, and I know for me, I, I got tired quick, um, trying to be that person. And so now you, this is what you get. Um, pretty simple, but, um, well, I think 
I think that raises, yeah, I think that raises an interesting point too. And I think it's a real danger um, right now. So I actually had, I'm I'm having a conversation with somebody right now about a role and, and um, they had me take an assessment. And of course, you know, but before he sent it to me, he said, you know, make sure you're, you know, really it's just, and I'm like, I get it. I trust me. I understand the assessment thing, but in going through it, you know, and I did because mostly it's, it was a new assessment to me. It wasn't one I've known, but I've ever seen before. So I'm like, Oh, Hey, cool. I want to see what, <laughs> you know, and for, and for me, the, you know, the baseline is I know when I read an assessment result, if it fits me or not. And so I don't, you know, I don't, my, my goal is never to throw it off, you know, but part of the conversation he and I were having is that, you know, this is a very deliberate process, right? It's a coaching role. So they want to make sure that it's somebody who fits in the culture and the organization and that that's, that's mutual. And I think one of the really big dangers when, um, when the economy is in jeopardy and when there is a lot of unemployment and where jobs are scarce is that it's very, very easy to go into that kind of conversation and second guess what you're going to put in the assessment because all you're thinking of is I have no idea how the hell I'm going to pay for my rent next month. I just need a job. It doesn't have to fit. And it's, it's a really scary place to be in. Um, because even if you think you're trying to be honest about the assessment, that kind of anxiety, it becomes a cloud that's really, really hard to get out from under long enough to be honest. And the truth is, you know, yeah, maybe you will get the job, but you have to keep in mind that they're looking for somebody who does legitimately fit and coming in and then maybe not fitting is, is not actually going to keep you there. And so you have to be as deliberate as possible. Now, having said that, you still have to pay your rent and, you know, all of the drama I went through here in Florida for unemployment, I still got denied. I spent weeks trying to go through everything possible and I still got denied. So if I hadn't been able to kind of, you know, get, get work moving again, um, you know, I could legitimately see why that is a, a horrible fear for people to panic and try to, you know, fit a square peg into a round hole. But it's, it's such, um, this, that process is designed to help match a good fit. For sure. And I would say that an organization that takes the time and effort to try to do that, especially if they train their managers on how to have a conversation after they get those kind of assessment results, um, is probably in the habit of being a little sensitive to whether or not someone does legitimately fit. So, I mean, you can fake your way through an assessment. You can. You can. You totally can. Yeah. It probably isn't going to do you as much good as, you know, your, yeah. the, the devil on your shoulder is telling you that it will. Um, and, and it's something to keep in mind because it's really, um, you, then, then you show up not as you and you yeah. have to, you have to maintain kind of this like false, falsely advertised version of who you are because exactly. that's who they thought they hired. And that's that that is exhausting and the truth is it's not likely that you're going to be very successful if you you know if i if i tried to convince somebody that i'm this super detail oriented person they could you know have spend you know 40 hours a week in spreadsheets and yeah. you know doing paperwork and then i showed up oh my god i'd be in tears by day 2 like yeah. that's not that's not how i'm going to be useful or productive for anybody and so you really have to you really have to try to be careful. Um, but on the other hand, you also have to acknowledge that you don't know where rent's coming from and you just need a job. Yeah. 
it's that's a pressure that you have to you have to give credit to and you have to recognize so that sure. you can figure out the best way to manage it. Yeah, and I and I think it goes to right. Um, there's a level of ownership and accountability on on the person who's applying and, and the employer as well, right? And so on the employer side, yes, you need to fill a role, but there's also a a heightened level of empathy in in this new normal, right? You talk about fifteen percent, right? You had uh, this war on talent before all this happened. This war on talent. We can't find anybody. Ah, we what are we gonna do for people? Yeah, we'll stop dipping in the same pool as everybody else. Now, now it's making you look in in other places. But I would say for the candidate, and I wasn't. I'm in the same similar boat as you. And the most freeing thing in the for the first time ever, I did not press in my responses on assessments because I was like, look, you gonna get me. And if you're not prepared for the assessment version of me, you definitely not going to want to talk to the real me. Um, and I think for the first time in sitting in a panel interview, it was the most freeing interview ever. And it was like, it got to the point in that interview, Allura, where I know they were trying to ask thoughtful things and wanting, and I felt impression management coming up for me. And I was, like you said, I was pressing, I was going, I felt myself pressing. And I stopped myself. And in the middle of this interview, I said, look at me wasting all this breath. I, I haven't even answered the question you asked. Let me answer the question you asked. And I and they in the whole panel just like started laughing like, holy crap. Like, did he just stop himself? Like, yeah, I did. Like, I, I need to answer your question because you're looking for you're looking to see if I fit. Got it. Right. And And I got back on track. And after I got finished with it, I was like, it's either mine or it's not. And I was totally okay. And, and, and again, when we, when people press and there's that need, right. It is Maslow's hierarchy of need. I need to pay bills. I need to eat. I need to keep a roof over my head. I need to keep the car running. I got to take care of the kids, whatever that list is that you need to things to fall in place for you. It can become daunting and you could press. And, and what I would say for people is that's where now more than ever looking at what does it look like to have multiple streams of income, right? You have a job, but now are you ramping up on, you like knitting from time to time? Well, have you tried selling any of that stuff on eBay or Amazon, right? And so for us, so that you're not boxed in again, or you're not surprised when another event happened and God forbid, hopefully nothing like this will happen in the future, but going back to normal is going to look, it's going to look totally different for people and it's going to look like a world of just different stuff moving forward. And so all we're in, in the, is the next phase of normal, not what we left that's gone, that's passed. And you need to catch up if, if you try to stay back there. So the multiple streams of income thing is actually a topic I've been working on with people a lot lately. Um, and it's really interesting because it's, it's something, you know, um, you see a lot of that as normal in immigrant communities. Um, African-American communities see a lot of it too. Um, you know where you don't see it? Upper middle class white community. Yep. There is a privilege that comes with having, you know, a single job and not having 
to diversify or not not feeling the need to diversify. Yeah. I think when you when you see communities that have not had as much advantage or who have had to get scrappy and creative because they don't have the education or the language or you know any number of other things that that make that oh great you know very nice attractive comfortable job available and accessible they've had to get creative right you know i love I love the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. But one of the reasons I love it is because as, you know, a first generation American, that whole, you know, multiple family businesses and family being shuttled around and, you know, kids and grandkids all go work in different, you know, like that is so like the normal experience in so many immigrant families that I know, including mine, that, you know, it's not something that, um, it's not something that I see so much in a lot of more like established, you know, middle-class families where, you know, somebody goes, they, you know, my godfather is a great example. He was um, a structural engineer. He went, he, that's how he spent his entire career. Great career. You know, his wife, my godmother was a physical therapist. She did her thing for, you know, her, and like they had single kinds of, of focuses for that entire duration of their career. Now that they're retired and everything's, you know, it's, it's this very sort of picturesque middle-class you know, view of things, but, and I think, I think there's a lot of sentiment that that's the way, or there's a, this sort of buy-in that that's how it should be, or that that's the American dream that we're all striving for. But I think there, there are so many places where that doesn't actually exist. And to some extent, um, I think that's a really important lesson that a lot of us need to really examine is, you know what, that multiple streams of income actually is is yeah. probably a really important thing to consider more um roundly right for sure. now for sure because we don't know what the next normal is going to look like and we don't know how long or deep any kind of you know economic impact never mind the the direct health you know impacts but we don't know how long it's going to last and we don't know what it's going to look like and there are a lot of things that aren't going to come out the other side um, that were the way they were. So how is it that we can look at these other communities mm-hmm. that have maybe never been able to get comfortable in the yeah. same kind of economic stability and have had to be creative? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of it, we see a lot of it in the gig economy, but the gig economy is just one facet of it that. It's not, it's not the, whole, the whole picture, right? And so I think that to me has been a really important conversation because I see so many people who have, you know, a, a couple a couple of longtime colleagues who've been unemployed for a while. They, were, they had been unemployed for quite a while before all this happened. And now, of course, they're really in a horrible panic, you know, and, and a couple of them have been very... Um, desperate and clinging to the idea that they are going to get the type of job they yeah. used to, they used to have and that it is going to pay what they have historically made and that it is going to not require that they report to somebody who's 20 years younger than them and way less experience than them and there's a lot of things that they're holding on to and i listen to them sometimes and think i hope for your sake, you've got another plan because that's a lot of eggs in a basket that I'm not sure is going to hold yeah. hold that weight. And that go, and that goes to the point, right? Of are are you ready for how fast the shifts are going to occur, right? To keep up with what's relevant and and thinking about the new workforce, right? Um, I have a, a young mentee uh, slash coaching client that um, she's at the top of Gen Z. And Gen Z is like, look, I'm, I'm fluid. 
and I can move and shift as, as I will. And it's, it's, it's like emotion and personality and different things like that. It's like they, they embrace the differences in all of us and don't, I want to diversify even just the way that I work. I'm going to be here and I'm going to be loyal to you for two to four years. All right, I'm going to get experience. And then guess what? I'm going to see what else is out there and start shopping myself. Not saying anything's wrong with your organization, but that's just what I'm going to do. Well, who else does that? You got Gen X who does a lot. Most entrepreneurs, we, we've been trying things out because we haven't had many mentors or coaches kind of track us down. So we're trying things out. And I think this, this next world is going to be a lot of similar to the gig economy, but it's going to be very intentional in the way that we partner and the way that we do relationship moving forward. And it's going to be crucial that I, and I said something to somebody today around, I'm trying to build, do business development like I do relationships. And I, because I want to do business with people that value me and that I value their mission, their vision and what they strive to be. And I want, I want authentic partnership. And I want you to know, guess what? The reason why I'm gonna go so hard for you is because I care. I care about you. That's a value for me. Respect, integrity, service, and, and seeing excellence in everybody. And I deserve, I believe everybody has the potential to be all the things that they desire to be. Let me partner with you, right? And I don't think that's a bad business model. To, and, and funny thing is, and you'll get, you'll love this, in the, in the larger organization space, if you think about people's highest paying clients in partnerships, um, they were around relationships in manufacturing. A lot of the customers, a lot of manufacturers have are legacy customers and they've had them for 20, 30, 40 years. Well, how do you get that far in business to where you're exchanging millions of dollars annually and we're in relationship? It's it's because we had similar values. We had similar things that we were exchanging as currency that now, okay, I don't mind giving you a million dollars because I know your work ethic. I know your value, Allura. So I don't mind continuing to work with you. Right. Well, so it's funny because that I think is, is one of those things that, um, if there, if that, that would be a silver lining to me about some of what we're living through now. Um, you know, I, one of the clients that I work with, you know, I've worked with him off and on for 15 years. And one of the challenges that we ran into uh, last year was that I was not in New York City as much as, you know, the team at his current company wanted me to be able to be there because they were very like, you know, butts in seats, kind of face-to-face -face office environment. And I was at the time living in Mexico and Colombia. So it was a very, you know, not, I wasn't there all the time. I, I you know, I, go to New York frequently, but not, you know, I, not during that time. And, um, so, you know, when, when all of this hit and they shut down, um, and he had to call me and say, Hey, we, we're going to come to a halt. Cause I don't even know what the hell, <laughs> you know, next week is going to bring. Um, and then, you know, slowly they started opening up again and, uh, he called me back and he said, okay, let's, let's get back to work. There's some stuff we need to do. What was really interesting because now, the fact that he's known me for 15 years, that he's brought me in, you know, three different companies, four different companies, however many times I've worked with him now. Um, and the fact that he knows I know how to work remotely is, is suddenly actually enormously advantageous. Um, it was always valuable to him, but now he can go and take that to everybody else and say, look, I know 
I can just give this to her and she'll take care of it and it'll be done. And I don't have to babysit her. It doesn't matter that she's not in New York. It doesn't matter that, you know, all of us are now working remotely. You know, I have a whole team full of people here who are just learning how to work remotely. She's been working remotely for 12 years. Let her, let me just hand stuff to her and let her go do it. And so it's, it's interesting to me that, um, that, has has now suddenly become a really humongous asset that wasn't in the past and the truth is you know we've said i've said it before i don't like working from home but at the moment i do have to admit i'm grateful that you know circumstances have forced me to learn how to do it because if i was trying to kind of deal with the anxiety of everything else going on right now at the same time i was trying to figure out just daily daily tactical logistics of effectively working from home every day uh, i would probably well, I'd probably be drunk right now because that would suck to try to take on both. I'm so grateful yeah. that it's okay. I know that I don't like it. I know that it's not my first choice, but I've learned how to do it, right? It's like, yeah. you know, it's like expense reports or time cards or any other kind of necessary evil that you 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 would rather not do, but you've had to learn to do it. And then when the, you know, when push comes to shove, it's like, wow, all right. Okay, I you know I I don't love changing my own tires, but if I really really have to, I can. Yeah, and I and then you bring up a sol- like super solid point around the things that people have had to navigate emotionally and and just internal just angst around all of it now being in their face. And it's one thing to have a remote pilot program happening for your organization where everybody's kind of slowly working themselves into it to boom, immediately, everybody's remote work. You have a choice. Get out of your offices, don't report to work. And like you said, in, in that space, I now have to figure out my Wi-Fi wasn't the best when I was just here casually on the weekend. Now I have the anxiety of my Wi-Fi not being good and we're on a customer call now. And oh, by the way, I got orders that I have to submit. Oh, I got a conference call with other people. And so all that stuff is happening to people. And like, it's not the normal stuff as coaches that we're in, we're helping people navigate through. It's all the other stuff that got thrown into the pot. Um, and this is a big old bowl of emotional gumbo and jambalaya now. And now people have to figure out what does it look like moving forward? And I think the best thing people could do is really take those moments to sit still and to really just capture when you're starting to feel a certain way, like really tap into why it's coming up for you that way. And it, the moment you begin to become aware of some of those tr- new triggers um, that are probably already there, but now it's hitting you in a different way because of the circumstances. Um, I think there's enormous growth that's going to happen for a lot of people um, who see things not only as obstacles, but opportunities to overcome things and learn better things and more things about themselves. Well, and, you know, to your point, right, there's, there's, you've got a new set of triggers. Like it's not, um, or, or more accurately, their triggers are probably always there, but circumstances weren't, you know, poking the bear on them. And right. so um, it was funny, I was reading an article this morning in the New York Times about the, uh, about, you know, um, new, new, uh, some new data out of e-commerce and kind of some of the changes, um, you know, and as somebody who's worked in e-com for 25 years, it's, it's, um, some of it's kind of uh, amusing, some of it's, sort of eye rolling and predictable. But one of the things that was particularly funny to me was when I was looking at it was, you know, uh, Lululemon is spiked in their, in their online sales and, and, and this, and, you know, it, it, 
leads to kind of this sort of hilarious, predictable narrative about people just, you know, living in sweats and yoga, yoga pants. And to me, that's one of those perfect examples of the sign of new people working from home. Because one of the, one of the biggest lessons, and again, I've worked from home and run teams from home at, you know, for 12 years, is that you got to get up and get dressed every single day. Because if you only wear sweats and yoga pants, guess what? You're not going to fit into anything you own in a couple of weeks because all of this stuff just, it's too close. It's too confining. And, and for so many of us, you know, we don't necessarily think, always think that food's a trigger, but guess what? When you're trapped at home and you're feeling stressed, sometimes, you know what? That fridge is too close. And so next thing you know, you're wearing yoga pants all the time. First time you have to go put on a pair of jeans to go somewhere. You're like, oh shit. Didn't see that coming. So you just. You ain't have to put me out there like that. So, so I, I wanted to get dressed for that, that panel interview and mm-hmm. uh, I put the suit on. The jacket was fine, uh, but the pants, the pants, yeah. the pants. Uh, so glad I didn't have to stand up. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I was only putting the pants on for the, I was thinking about me in interviews. Like, go ahead and uh, what's, your, what's your whole suit look like? Like, I'm that guy, like on the other end. Like, I want to see his whole suit. But no, I was like, please don't ask me to stand up. I was yep. like, these bad boys did, but <laughs> no. So you know, <laughs> I, I think I think that's a I think that's probably a good a good place for us to to kind of wind it down, right? I think it's I think it, you have to be generous with yourself. You do because you this do. is Got so it. unprecedented for so many people, and there are so many different ways in which it's difficult for different people, and how yeah. we deal with it changes. Um, I would say as someone who's been doing it for a long time, it is totally normal for anybody when they first start working from home. It's there like the go. freshman 10. Like it's like putting on weight when you move into a dorm, right? It's like all of a sudden, it's awesome. just a major change to your yep. lifestyle. And yep. it's really, I've, I've almost never met anybody who didn't. The trick is how do you bounce back and kind of Definitely. balance it out? So it's, that's just one example of a hundred. So yeah. awesome. anyway, so that's that's kind of I guess today's today's topic on yeah. what's coming next and how this looks and we'll keep keep at it. So I appreciate you. Oh, uh, and you too, pal. We'll have a wonderful, wonderful week. You and as well. I will talk to you soon. All right. See you later, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Join us next week when we'll take on our next topic. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.